Welcome fans, friends, family, and foes. It's time for Talking Wrestling on Never Sleeps Network. I am your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us on NSN. However, we're not here in the NSN studios. We are on the road in Kingston, Ontario. And uh, folks, I uh, got a great episode lined up for you today. Um, uh, we've been talking a little bit before we started taping, and we've been having a great conversation. Actually, we've recorded half the show without realizing the show has been recording. So, uh, yeah, so we're starting over. So, uh, folks... Uh, this is great. Um, when I was a kid, uh, well, actually, no, when I was in, you know, I was starting comedy. I wrote a sketch about a wrestling journalist fresh out of Carleton University, and uh, he was a journalism major. And his first job he got was with Pro Wrestling Illustrated, working for Bill Apter, the wrestling journalist of all time. And uh, and I thought it would be great because he's a journalist. He's going to discover. He's going to go in depth. And he's going to find out the, the, the truth uh, with his five W's and uh, when, what, where, where, how. And I guess how is not a W. So he would get in there and he would start ref- learning more and more about wrestling. And then before you know it, he's like, oh, my God, this is not real. Ah, oh, what are we talking about? And then all of a sudden he's going up to Bill after going, I've stumbled across this incredible story, Bill. And Bill's like, what's that? And he's like, well. Um, not only are the moves choreographed and are these people are like trained stuntmen, I don't think the finishes are real. I think that, I think that this is all planned and all, uh, choreographed and, uh, written. And he's like, well, it is. And then, uh, you'd be like, oh my God, well, we got to report this. And like, well, we can't, it's the eighties. We got to keep it kayfabe, you know? And then, and, uh, you know, that sketch never went anywhere because, uh, it's not that funny. But it's funny to me, damn it. And uh, I thought uh, a wrestling journalist was an oxymoron, but it's not an oxymoron. Uh, And today I got a wrestling journalist, uh, a man who's a wrestling journalist. Uh, He writes for the Kingston Wig Standard as well as the Toronto uh, Sun. He's uh, interviewed many wrestlers over his years. He also promotes wrestling here in Kingston, Ontario, Chinlock Wrestling. And you can also check out that website, Chinlock Wrestling, and uh, you'll see tons of his articles and videos and everything that goes on there. Uh, so today my guest is uh, Jan Murphy, and uh, welcome to the show, Jan. Well, thanks for having me, Casey. Yeah, Pleasure f- to be here. I, uh, I'm a, I love this format. I've been listening to uh, what you do, and I think it's unique, and uh, glad to be here. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for sharing online as well. Um, so, so let's just get into it. What made you get into wrestling, and how did that all start? And uh, what made you like wrestling? And, you know, what's your earliest premonition of wrestling? I remember my parents taking us over to, we lived in Camden East, a little village not far from here. Uh, We went to visit my aunt and uncle who lived just up the road from us. And while I was over there, I sat down on the couch. My uncle had on the TV this program. I was like, what is this? Guys are running around, you know, hitting each other with weapons and, you know, microphones and, you know, wild announcers and things yeah. like this. Well, it turned out it was WrestleMania 2, I would later discover. Yeah. And uh, kind of hooked me right from right from there. You know, started talking about it with my buddies at school. You know, next thing you know, we're all wrestling in the, the schoolyard. Of you know, course. Putting the sharpshooters on each other in basements. And we used to gather at my buddy Rob, Plum, Rob Plumley's house, and his parents always paid for the pay-per-views. Yeah. So, like, literally, we'd all get dropped off, and we'd go down to Rob's basement, and we'd watch these papers. Yeah, we used to do that, too. It was it was crazy. There'd be six, eight of us down there watching, you know, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan win the inaugural Royal Rumble. Yeah. 
you know, some of the crazy things that went on, you know, Jesse, the body Ventura, you know, Vince McMahon in those days was, was still common commentating and nobody knew. And, uh, just this guy with big shoulders, you know, my parents, I've always been a, a bit of a collector. I have a, an addiction, a problem. If you come to my office, you, you'll see it's, it's insane. But, uh, we used to li- shop in Napanee at the mall. Yeah. Not like today. You couldn't do this today with my, I'd never let my kids out of my sight, but we'd roll through the door and they'd be like, okay, we're going to go shop and you guys can cruise the mall. Here's 20 bucks. And you know, I'd stand there, I'd go down to this little place called the Met and they had a toy section and I'd the stand Met. there. And I, like <laughs> I said, I can see those tendencies in my daughter today when it comes to picking out a toy. It's like, Hmm, Hulk Hogan, Hmm, big John stud, you know, macho man, big boss man, George, the animal steel. Who do I pick? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, over time, I accumulated all those original LGN figures, the rings, yeah, steel cages, oh, uh, all thumb the, wrestlers. You get in the thumb wrestlers, all, all the accessories, the thumb wrestlers. <laughs> in my office today, and I dug it up a few years ago. Is do you remember the the chips, the Hostess chips? You get the sticker. Yes. So my aunt worked at Pinto in Napanee, which was a convenience store. Okay. And she used to get me the posters that you could stick these. I I to. ordered the posters. You had to send in uh, the chip bag, like the the barcodes. Yep. I think it was five barcodes. Uh, send them to Hostess, and you got the poster in the mail. So she used to give me those posters. So in my office today, hanging framed. Is no, a, is the a poster full, with all the stickers. It's full. Yeah. Jesus, it's framed and sitting in my office at work. Oh in, my in god! My, in my desk, I have. All of the, the the next years as well. Yeah. No poster. No. But those posters exist on eBay, and I'm just waiting to buy one so that I can put all the stickers. Put in. all the stickers on that one. Oh my god! It too. Allison Door, who was in our second episode of uh, Digging in Allison Door and uh, Ward and Al show on on Sirius XM, she told us that uh, she used to carry in the attitude era. She used to carry a picture of The Rock in her wallet. And uh, and I said, was that the? I was like, so you? That's I said. I, I found that very funny. And she's like, well, it's not the first picture I ever carried in my wallet of a wrestler. And I was like, what was that? And she's like, well, when I was a kid, I was really into wrestling too. And because our family's Scottish, my favorite wrestler was Roddy Piper. And I remember in my bag of chips, I got a Roddy Piper sticker, and I carried that forever in my wallet and she goes but then I lost it which is really sad because later on in life I would get this great show and I would interview Roddy Piper three different times and go out with him at night and like it's like we became friends and we had this like immediate this kinship and he was just so kind and uh and this is all in episode two for those of you who uh don't know this is so anyways after listening to the episode three times because you're supposed to listen to women when they talk I noticed the fourth time I've listened to it, oh, she really likes Roddy Piper and this sticker. So I went on eBay and wow, there it is. Five ninety nine. Boom. Bought it. And I gave it to her. I was like, Thank you for coming on the show. And she was like, Oh my God. And she was like so happy just That's to have awesome. the little and it was still in the plastic. And, you know, it came to my house in three days. So yeah. that was great. I love, you know, I loved those stickers. Yeah. So you know, my uh, obsession with wrestling goes way back. We used to put those holds on each other. I mean, I remember locking people into sharpshooters and figure fours. And Did you have a wrestling name? What, what no, did you call yourself? Always, Jan we, the Man? Not always, even Jan the Man? Not even Jan the Man. No, we, uh, you know, we were always just deciding who we were going to be, right? Oh, see, you we know, created our own characters. Be Bret Hart. Being from Canada, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, Bret Hart took over, right? It was... Yeah, I told Jim when I was at his house last month, like they made pink 
less feminine, right? They they made it masculine. They really did. There was nobody yeah. before them who did for pink on men what they did. No. It's just like, and it was all a mistake. They were just supposed to have a pink stripe. Yeah. And, and black. And then they came in with pink with the black stripe. And that's the perfect heel thing. Like, because pink is considered a flamboyant, you know, color. Other wrestlers had wore pink, but they didn't do for it and make it masculine the way the Hart Foundation made it acceptable to be a man and wear pink. Yeah. In those days when we were, you know, still half cavemanish. Mm-hmm. We, we've progressed a lot in the last 20 years as as, as humans, but... Uh, anybody can wear pink now. Anybody can wear pink now. Yeah. yeah, and you're not even compared you to Adrian Adonis. You're out all the time, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, those are some of my earliest memories. Uh, when I went to college, I... Uh, covered my first event we we worked on a newspaper at the college called the pioneer in our second year and i was able to apply for some accreditation through wbf which had offices in canada in those days in orangeville yeah or orangeville toronto somewhere around toronto and uh i got accepted to go up and shoot a an assignment to do a spread in the in the in the paper so my first event that i ever covered as a non-fan, was uh, an autograph signing uh, featuring the late Owen Hart. Yeah. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes was there in his Doc Hendricks days. My pictures that I have, he's still wearing the neck guard. Remember remember that angle? You know what? I didn't even know that Doc Hendricks was Michael P.S. Hayes. I never put it together because my visions for P.S. Hayes are one thing. And then when I see Doc Hendricks, I just don't see Michael P.S. Hayes <laughs> and Sable, anywhere there. And Sable was there as well. And then, well, then Sable. Wow. And they, stuck, <laughs> they stuck me beside Owen Hart, and I've told Natty this story, and I have pictures. I sat there for the afternoon watching Owen interact with fans, right? And he'd make fun of them, or he'd tell jokes at their expense, and then he'd get up and give them a hug and take a photo and sign an autograph. And yeah. It, it was uh, I've never forgotten it. You know, I could just see that trademark wit that everybody talks about Owen having because he was a real notorious ribber. Yeah. Uh, you hear stories and, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll have some of those stories in a project that I'm working on uh, that I can't talk about in depth yet. But anyway, um, covered that, Did a went to a live event. We were talking about it before. A live event in Toronto in 1999 would be at the, you know, Rogers Center. Yeah, because wrestling was just through the roof popular. Raw, SmackDowns were everything was selling forty thousand people for a for a SmackDown taping or a Raw taping. You know, even a house show would get twenty five, thirty thousand people. I mean, think about that. It's enormous. It's enormous. There's no. I I can't think of any other form of entertainment that could that wasn't a professional sports league that could command that type of well they still draw too like even though they're in, technically in a down maybe a, a down era right now i which i think wrestling is fantastic right now you know they just did two nights at the arcana center and they yeah. weren't sold out but they were still you know smackdown was sold out raw did very well i'm not i didn't get the final numbers on raw but uh, yeah they they have no problem the important thing is is they outdrew the kings of leon <laughs> who were there on wednesday and i don't know if they're in a down period so much as they're in a growth period, right? That's yeah, what, that's what I, I guess call that's, it. It's like their numbers aren't dwindling. There might be more people bitching and moaning online that they don't like the the creative 
or mm-hmm. they don't like Roman Reigns. But I, yeah. they're in a total growth period. They're they're moving into new markets. You know, China. That's China and India. Two markets they're targeting right now are the two biggest markets in the world. Yeah, I mean, you're not in a decline if you're breaking into those markets. No, right? and it's totally it's totally true. And yeah, it's crazy. Like you know, we uh, say like Roman Reigns. I I can't stand that people think that Roman Reigns is not a good wrestler because are you not watching like no, you think you think braun Strowman is the better wrestler of the two <laughs> they're not watching That's they're, the they're not watching like i'm like i watched roman's matches and like this is the same thing with cena i didn't like cena when he was younger because he was the pro like not the prototype but i didn't like the rap angle i didn't like him as the rapper i didn't i actually did not like cena until after those two rock matches and then i was like wow I need to go back and watch this guy's matches and not his character because this guy's a great wrestler. And now I love Cena. Like, you know, SmackDown, the guy goes, who do you want to see come out? I'm like, I, and at first I was going to say Kevin Owens. I was like, no, I want to hear the damn, goddamn heinous, the Cena horns. And then yeah. ba, 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 I got, I jumped, I popped huge for Cena. For the like, first time ever. And I felt yeah, good. I like John Cena from the second that I interviewed him here in Kingston backstage at the memorial center and i got to see the real person because wwe for years now have taken the the kayfabe away from the talent when it comes to doing media interviews it's like hey you don't have to do it in character that's cool you can answer the questions and it's promoting another and that's really where i carved out my reputation was i decided not to be a, a dirt sheet reporter. I made this decision very consciously, very early on in my career. It's like, hey, do I want to talk about John Cena's failing marriage or do I want to talk about why John Cena loves this crazy business that is wrestling? Yeah. And when did John Cena first watch wrestling? What did his parents think about him, you know, becoming a professional wrestler? How did he get trained? You know, did he you know, work for $10 and drive 800 miles, Yeah, you know, and hearing stories like that. And, and that's really become sleeping in cars. And that's really become my, my niche, right? I do, yeah. I do long features. I, I always have, I mean, I, I started writing a column. I convinced the editor at the, the Whig standard in 1999 that it was so popular. It needed a presence in the, in the newspaper. So he gave me a, I think it started as every two weeks. Just my general observations, you know, sometimes I'd write a column on the lingo in wrestling, you know, trying to explain it to people. Yeah. Uh, XFL came to came to be while I was writing my column, did a couple columns on that. So and WWF started to take notice that they had a presence in this paper in mm-hmm. Canada's oldest daily paper. That's cool. And uh, so, yeah, eventually they started giving me access to the talent, you know, live events. And within a couple of years, WWE came back to Kingston for the first time in 10 years. Yeah. And they've come every, you know, not every single year, but they've come at least a dozen times in the 19 years that I've been writing yeah. about it. In the it seems recently it's been a, like a, 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 a stop, a regular stop on, the, a, on the, yeah. on the, on like instead of SmackDown going up to Ottawa now, it comes here, the SmackDown brand or. Uh, the Raw will go to London as they did the other night, and uh, and on the Saturday night or whatever. I but, don't think I'll be betraying anyone's trust by saying Kingston 
almost did a live televised show. Well, in the last couple of years, almost. Yeah. Almost was going to host a live. Well, I don't see why they event. don't. Like they do it's have not, smaller it's not markets, quite, it's right? Not quite a big enough. It's not quite a big enough venue. They used set, to do you know, superstar tapings. Six thousand in Ottawa. When you look at, you know, your Raws and your Smackdowns, and even you know NXT is a little bit different. You could do NXT at a at a seven thousand seat venue. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but Raw and Smackdown is tough to do it for a, an audience of under you know ten. The Raw. I was at the Raw in uh, Cornwall, which is a smaller, but K Rock size. And because uh, the Cornwall Royals used to play there, and that oh, was Gilmore. two nights after the screw job, so that was like SmackDown right down in '97. Um, but I don't know if they if they you know like there's no reason why they can't like it's the cameras make the arena look bigger, you know. In in Ottawa, uh, the Ottawa '67s where they play, their arena is horrible. They only have half an arena, but they shot it from the small side and made it look big. Yeah, I mean, there's many factors, right? Uh, crowd is just one of them. Uh, the dollar when they come up here—that's yeah. something they have to consider. Yeah. Uh, the costs of coming, you know, to Canada, getting across everything across the border. Um, but yeah, the, the dollar's been so weak the last two or three years. Yeah, it's not. You're losing thirty-five, forty percent. That's that's tough, right? Well, it's bad for them. It's great for us if you're making American money <laughs> anywhere. You know, yeah. with all those super stadiums being built. In, in America, if Toronto doesn't make a bid soon to uh, to host WrestleMania, which I think the door has been opened by how successful Survivor Series was and the fact that they just came back and did back-to-back Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I think they're, they're reestablishing their brand in Toronto and uh, hopefully if the Toronto mayor uh, or someone in Toronto with a little bit of clout could, yeah. uh, could hear this podcast... Just make the bid. Yeah, think because... About it. Think about the tourism that that brings uh, at a time of year when there's not a lot of tourism happening in, in March, March. Right? Early no. April? No. If you can bring in an event that will bring in 100,000 people from all over the world oh, to, yeah. to fill up your hotels, you're going to have fan access, you're going to have NXT, you're going to have you know WrestleMania, Raw, and SmackDown. Yeah. It's going to be a week and a half party and the hall of fame and the hall of fame which is my favorite part of it's my i love weekend. the hall of fame i go i've been now to three straight hall of fame ceremonies and uh, it's my favorite part of the entire weekend yeah because it's it's their night well, and it's, it's a chance it's, to it's, be part of their night and give you know and give back to giving those you know, you know people who built this empire for them a chance to have a few more minutes uh, in the spotlight and it's it's yeah. wonderful I did. Uh, I got goosebumps I, thinking about Hall I, I of Fame. I worked closely with DDP. Uh, you know, I was one of. Uh, again, I'm friends with him, and I think it's okay to say that. But yeah, we. I knew pretty early on he was going in, and we started working on a on a on a career retrospective. Yeah. So, WWE had the exclusive on. You know, basically the first piece that went out could go somewhere, but I had one ready written. You know, yeah. DDP and I had worked on it for months, and it's very cool. It was like, oh god, fifteen thousand words. You know, just a, his whole career. He talked about everything. I feel like I watched his whole career because I was watching AWA when he started coming in. 
you know, and I watched WrestleMania when he drove the vehicle. You know, it seems like, you know, I remember when he was managing Bad Company, uh, which would become the Orient Express eventually in the WWE. And then, you know, he went to WCW and I watched all of us who were there. And then, you know, like, and just crazy for him to start wrestling at such an old age. Yeah. You know, but have the run that he had. Because, you know, those WCW years, you know, like, people will say what they want. Like, Sting was up in the rafters. It was DDP that was holding the flag for WCW against the NWO. And he was the top guy. And I loved his whole, like, coming in. And, like, The Rock said he was the people's champ. But DDP was actually the people's champ of WCW. And that was for real. He came in and out of the audience you know, jeans, tape ribs. I love that DDP. When he uh, talked, we talked at length. You, you, if you have a couple hours, you should read the piece because it's. I will. It's yeah. all encompassing. But he talked about how many weeks Bischoff put him off on that angle with with Scott Hall and Nash. Yeah. On like, he was the first guy to get to get at them, right? Yeah, he he got the diamond, and that's he, another thing too. Got, is that RKO's out of nowhere. DDP was pulling diamond cutters out of nowhere long before Also in the article, he he talks about that. However, he also says uh, if he has one last match left in him, it's against Randy Orton, handpicked. That would be fantastic. I would be right there to watch that. You know, that's a a match. that That's a dream match. Yeah. You know, that's a dream match because... Guys that use each other as finishers, you see them, you know, like like when Buddy Rogers fought Ric Flair, you know, they basically use the same personas, and you know that's a dream match. Um, you know, Dallas, this would be a dream yeah, match. Dallas is a good man. He's he's helped a lot of people. He doesn't probably get the credit that he deserves for all the people that he has helped, but it's nice that he gets the acknowledgement. It's nice that he got the Hall of Fame. Listening to him, you know, talk about when Triple H called him. Uh, and told him, you know, and basically starting to cry after he got the news. I mean, you know, that's well, gold. he's you know that's he's gold to a journalist. Right? He saves lives, sure. Like he's saved literally Jake's life. He yeah. saved Scott Hall's life. You know, like these guys were just destroying themselves. Mick Foley's lost a lot. Mick of Foley looks almost Chris too Jericho thin. Chris single-handedly credits DDP Yoga for his yeah career lasting as long as it has, and you know, he just had. Chris Jericho just had a year-long run that was maybe his best his run, best ever. Yeah, I think so too. And he's forty-five, know, forty-five years old. Or, yeah, you know, somewhere, somewhere in there. It's insane. Jumping off top of steel cages against uh, so, Ambrose, you know, like the matches that he's had. Jericho's the, and again, I'm I'm careful about this because Brett was such an icon. Brett is a top ten. WWF WWE star of all time. There's no doubt about it. Brett was the best wrestler of his generation. Mm-hmm. He transcended everything, the values. But Chris Jericho has had a better career. Yeah, just the lo- the longevity of it. Like, and I'm not even talking before WCW, like his Japan. And Smoky Mountain stuff. Like I'm, I just started watching him in WCW when he was the Lionheart. And like when I look at when he was the Lionheart on the second hour of of Nitro or that first hour of Nitro. I mean, those cruiserweights I loved, and I loved Jericho's character. I was a huge fan of Jericho there. Then he came in WWE. I was so stoked. I was in Calgary 
when he debuted, and I thought that was special because it was my first time in Calgary uh, performing, and then Jericho's coming out, and he's in WWE. It was such a great thing. And then he, I, I kind of faded off about him for, like, I didn't, he just, he faded for a bit. But now, you know, like, I've always liked him. But when I look at his career, I love that his career has been bookend by lists. You know, that yeah. when he was reading the 1,004 lists that he had in Nitro, and then now he has the list here. Like, the stuff he's doing, he's still reinventing himself. He's well, still coming up with new everything. There's an elite group of performers who succeeded both as heel and face to the upper level. Yes. I mean, the bar was set, in my opinion, by Hulk Hogan. I mean, no one was a bigger baby face. And no one was, and a, bigger no one was a bigger heel. Successfully, right? Oddly and, enough, he didn't even have to change his wrestling style. He didn't. Because he, he when he was changed a face, his look. He, he, yeah, he changed he his look. Black he went black instead of yellow. It's fantastic. And when you listen to you know the stuff that's out there, uh, I think the panel that's on the WWE just loaded this week with uh, okay. Scott Hall, uh, DDP, and Kevin Nash. It's just went up on the network this week. Oh, great! They talk about how they had to change Hogan's mindset because he would go out there and start cutting the Hulk Hogan promo. Yeah. The good guy promos. And they had to say to him, Hulk, listen, if you want this to work, you got to stop it. You got to say fewer things. Yeah. You know, you can't give them what they want and how that all transitioned to work. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody always said if Hogan ever turned, it would, it wouldn't work. Like it didn't work with stone cold. Stone cold had to become a funny, you know, smart ass, to get over as a good guy. Couldn't get, or I mean, to mean, yeah, yeah. Because he couldn't get over as a bad guy, right? Yeah. You know, and it, Kurt Angle did his best work, you know, at that time too. But for sure, very few guys were able to be good and bad at the top level. Chris Jericho's right there. Yeah, I agree with the that. The Rock, right there. The Rock's right up there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. The Rock is such a good heel, but he's such a good good guy too. You know, like, you know, when you have that million dollar smile. You know, it's hard to be hated. Eddie Guerrero, same thing. Could yeah. do it all. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero could do it all. He could make you despise him, and he could make you love him. Yeah. And I also well, and I also love, you know, the hearts. Like, Brett is, well, was also a fantastic Brett, heel. Yeah. I actually like Brett better as a heel than I do as a hero, but he's obviously, you know, a great hero. And then Owen, I just love Owen as a heel. Owen is such a prick yeah. you know he's such a the like a little oh the, the slammy the nugget yeah, the yeah. nugget like the owen bad guy is you know getting his mom to throw in the towel on brett like i love that like he's yeah. such a you just want to see him get the shit kicked out of him you know yeah that's and that's what a heel should be doing you want to get you want to see the heel get beat up you know like i said with jericho he's right there with bret hart and and adam edge for uh, the the greatest to ever come out of we on our first episode we discussed the uh, the top ten uh, Canadian wrestlers of all time. I mean, there's hybrids too, right? Like Roddy Piper, yes, technically he's Canadian, but yeah, he never wore that on his no, chest. not really. And I talked to him about that in his interview, and he was some really good. Just before he died, I interviewed him, and uh, there were some really good quotes about that. Like he's like, you know, I've never sort of wore any country like it was my 
my uh, I'm from everywhere. That was wow. what he kept saying to me. He's like, I'm from everywhere. He's known as he a, said, the Scottish. The, the kilt that says right, the Scottish. But, 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 he's but, you born know, in, but he was born, born in Canada. In, yeah, lives uh, in the States. Grew up real tough. Yeah. You know, Western Canada, Saskatchewan, things like that. But, uh, yeah, Jericho. I mean, Bret Hart has my favorite match of all time, so. I'm what is your favorite match? Is it Stone Hart Cold? Stone Cold. That's yeah. that's me too. That's the that, number one match of all time. The blood, the just it was. Can you imagine it, the blood was not supposed to happen? It told, it told. I've never forgotten it. You know. No, and not only that, it's about like for the WWE. I think they're big on moments. Yeah. And that moment of that the Attitude Era was built on that match's moment of Stone Cold doing the push up, bleeding from his face. That put Stone Cold over more than, you know, DiBiase, more than... Nobody you know. put more... No, Stone, Bret Hart, on in 97, Bret Hart put more people over than, like, you look at, okay, Stone Cold was not Stone Cold until Bret finally... And Bret's the one that said, get Stone Cold in here. That guy I can do a lot with. And they brought him in, and he made Stone Cold in WrestleMania 13. And then, on his way out, he makes Vince McMahon. Yeah. He makes Mr. McMahon by getting screwed. Yeah, screwed up. Mr. McMahon's created. So there he's created. Good on WWE to recognize that and run with it for sure. But good on, like, like, so by leaving, he's created Mr. McMahon and he's created Stone Cold. And that led the Attitude Era for the next five to 10 years. If you spend any time around Triple H, and I have, I've, I've interviewed Triple H many times. What's he like? You'll hear the word and you just said it. We create moments. Yes, he says he said that a, uh, no less than a dozen times. I put smiles on people's faces. Right? That, that, that is one of <laughs> yeah. Triple H's signature, you know, media phrases. Is you know, this business is about creating moments as much as it mm-hmm. is anything else. And tri- Triple H is fantastic. He was the first guy, and we talked about this earlier when the tape wasn't running. He's one of the first guys to give me a one-on-one. When he didn't have to, at the height of his world title runs, so he was. They were in town. I had done an interview with Edge at Walmart uh, for his book. So this puts the time frame for you. It was when Edge's book was out. He was promoting his book. They had a show at the Memorial Center. So I went down, and again, in this small town house show, I'm the only act in town. Right? There's no other media. Yeah. There. So I, I had a good relationship with the girls. Uh, who worked for WWE at the time in media relations. One of them was that was down here was one of the ones I had a really good relationship with. So I said, hey, Cheryl, is there any chance I can talk to Triple H? She's yeah. Like, she, normally, if I were in Toronto or somewhere else, they would have just been like, no, he's not doing mm-hmm. There's no way. I'm not even going to ask him. So she said, you know what? It's a house show. Nobody else. Around. She says, worst he can say is no. I'll just go ask him. So she sauntered to the back and she came back out and she said, you know what? He says, if you'll talk about his movie, then he'll do it. Yeah. And he was in the Blade movie at the time. Blade oh, that's Trinity. cool. It's a real movie. Like, yeah. Not yeah. Blade, WWE Blade Trinity. Yeah. So, you know, in my head, I'm saying to myself, he wants to talk about the corn in his, you know, poop. <laughs> I'll talk about that. Right? Yeah. Like it's Triple H for Christ's sake. He's the world champ. So he came out and he, as soon as he came out, he's, he shook my hand. He's like, Oh, uh, crap, I forgot the title. Do you want me to go get it? We'll take some pictures, right? Yeah. So I said, well, let's just, we'll just do the interview. It's all good. So I had a photographer with me from the wig, and, uh, yeah, I talked to him for about 10 minutes. We talked a little bit about DX, about the title run, 
about uh, the movie yeah things like that and uh shook his hand took a photo with me and he went back and that was a big moment for me right like yeah it was like hey you know I i can do this you know cena had done one for me i've interviewed john cena three or four times but the triple h one was a big big moment for me in my journalism career it's like yeah those types of moments you don't forget no yeah that column my original column i did ran for five years and went from bi-weekly to weekly included a fantastic uh, editorial exchange between the city editor who hates wrestling and myself in an argument we wrote i wrote why wrestling belongs in the sports section and yeah he, he wrote why it doesn't oh did he feel it should go in the entertainment he wanted it in the entertainment yeah. well either <clears throat> or at least he still wants it in the newspaper well, he didn't want it. In the, if it were his decision, it wouldn't have been in the newspaper. Well, that's but, just stupid. But the actual editor was, you know, and the editor that came in after both uh, went along with it. So, yeah, after five years, it had run its course. The editor had another thing they wanted me to do. But I kept, and this is funny because it all comes back to Brett. I kept, you know, whenever WWE would come through, and there was a little period where they stopped coming every year and would come every two or three. Okay. Which was coincided with me not having a regular column. Anytime the opportunity would come to do an interview to promote an event, sure, yeah, I'll do it, no problem. But there was no real regular presence. I would just do them as things came up. And uh, Edge retired. And I wrote a column on it because Adam had been such a an important player at a time right after the attitude era ended. Yeah. The ruthless aggression. Yeah. And I had known he was Canadian, you know, I met him a couple of times. So Mm -hmm. I did a column and then I was like, man, I forget how much I enjoyed doing that. And by that point I was a features editor at the paper. So I could basically just assign myself, right? Like I I decided I'm going to do this more. So I we started reaching out to WWE again, and I thought Brett had just made amends with WWE. He'd just been back. He wasn't under contract or anything. So I went to his website. I went down. I found the media button. I sent a big plea for an, for an interview. Yeah. A couple of days later, I heard from Brett. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did about an hour on the phone. He talked about everything, you know, why he all of a sudden decided it was time to, you know, bury the hatchet with Vince. Yeah. Do you uh, still have, and this is still, you still have this interview? It's still, oh yeah, it's on your page? These are, a lot of these you can find on the wig. Okay. Wig.com or on chinlock.com. Yes. I run, I run two websites for chinlock. There's chinlock.com, which has all my writing features. Okay. Chinlock Wrestling is for our promotion. For your promotion, yeah. Yeah. So we have a charity show coming up in December. So yeah, the Brett and I talked about it all, right? The screw job, the Owen's death. You know, how that affected him, the stroke, the motorcycle accident. Yeah. You know, on just deciding it was time to move on. Fantastic, right? The timing of that, I can't remember if I did that just before he came back or just after. It was right in that window, like within a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, that was a big one for me. And that kicked me back off into going, I have to do this because, like, this is what I enjoy doing. So I went back pursuing. You know, wrestling interviews. A local promotion at the time here called Ontario Championship Wrestling approached me about coming and doing a spot at one of their events in the ring. I agreed. They, like, pretended to honor me that night. One of their bad guys came out. 
you know, was going to attack me, <clears throat> who's now my best friend, which is the <laughs> weirdest thing in, in the world. The good guy came out, saved me. I stuck around with them as the commissioner for a couple of years. Yeah. Helped them sort of grow that company uh, up, you know, got pretty successful locally. And then it kind of fizzled off. Uh, meanwhile, I'm pursuing all these interviews. Mm -hmm. And then the big turning point for me came. We booked one of those shows with OCW. Okay. And they wanted to bring in some featured guests. Yeah. So we'd, we'd all agreed on X-Pac and Billy Gunn. That's cool. Uh, they had agreed to come. And last minute, I said, well, what about Tommy Dreamer? Like, if, if he's not too expensive. So they're like, yeah, get, see if you can track him down. So I just went to his website. Same idea. All yeah. of you young aspiring writers out there, try the website first. You know, don't call WWE or don't send unsolicited messages to the WWPR people because if they don't know who you are, chances are you're not going to hear from them. Yeah. You know, start with the websites of people who aren't under contract and, and go that route. So, yeah, Dreamer gets back to me. Sure, I'll take the booking. It's this much, you know, plus flight. Yeah. So my now best friend and I, and I wasn't supposed to go that day. Oddly enough, I was supposed to play ball. I changed my mind. I went with him to go pick them up at the airport. Yeah. So we roll up to Toronto Pearson early in the morning. Dreamer had like the first flight in. He'd been up all night because I had been communicating with him the night before. Yeah. So he rolls in. He didn't know about Billy Gunn and X-Pac coming. So when he came out, he thought like, okay, let's go. He's like, well, we got to wait for Billy Gunn. Well, when's his flight? He's a couple hours yet. Well, you ever seen the innovator of violence get angry? No, he I was, don't want to see him was, get angry. I know he, he was hot. That, he was hot. Yeah, that he had to sit and wait. You know, he was tired. He admitted it after. So my buddy and I, we we like scrammed over to have a coffee while he sat and grumbled. So eventually, we walked back over. He apologized. He's like, "I'm sorry, I'm just tired." Uh, Billy gets caught up naturally. Billy gets caught up in yeah. customs. So then, like, where's X Pac? This is a pretty funny story. <laughs> So we're sitting there and like see this looks like an old lady pushing a cart with a blanket over top. Yeah. Bent over. Right. And then you know, I'm like, look at this friggin' hobo in the middle of the airport. And Dreamer goes, That's X Pac. <laughs> and sure than shit it was. Why did he have a blanket over him? It was him? a mess. Oh, it was just a mess? Just a total mess. He'd been at a Hogan appearance with hogan the night before on the east coast oh no taking a red eye to toronto no sleep you know hung over and just just a mess so then we drove but we drove to kinks and billy gunn made a stop because he was hungry and whatever billy gunn says you do billy gunn is a very intense really nice guy but he makes the decisions right yeah i wouldn't mess with billy gunn <laughs> so we uh drove them to kingston we had promised fans that, you know, and I've learned a lot about promoting wrestling. You don't promise things that you don't necessarily have control over. Yeah. Yeah. So we took them to their hotels. I said, I'll be back to get you guys in an hour. I called the my other friend at the venue. said, you're going to have to just tell everybody they're delayed and the meet and greet will start when we can get there. Circle back to get them an hour later. Dreamer, if you've come to know him, he loves food. Not surprisingly, he was eating. I said, we're Billy Gunn and X-Pac. He's like, oh, Billy Gunn's over there. No idea on X-Pac. He's probably up in his room. So I go upstairs and 
Xbox. No answer. I wait a couple minutes. Hello, Sean. Nothing, right? Two, three more minutes go by. I'm like, hello. I'm about to go to the front. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is it. Xbox OD. OD. Oh my God. At my freaking show, right? And then just, I'm literally about to walk away and a door swings up. Yo, bro. It's like, sorry, I was in the shower. I was like, no, you're not even wet. (laughs) Yeah. So we went, we did the show. That night we did a, a thing after the show and dreamer and i had spent a lot of time talking the court over the course of the day and getting to know each other i had i just lost my brother a few years prior yeah tommy's a real softy for you know family right so when i went to leave that night he's like here here's my number let's stay in touch that you know started a friendship that he's helped me you know he was feeding me you know DDP, who became a friend. Yeah. I, I did a Terry Funk interview, which is one of my favorite three all time. Um, you know, Dreamer had, I've interviewed Dreamer a few times. He set up a Sandman interview that was just awesome. I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you not like interviewing a guy like Sandman? All those ECW guys are so iconic. Yeah. Especially in the, like, the ECW, those, that span of when they were hot was like and they were changing wrestling they were influencing both products and just the characters the they Dudleys, had you know hearing you know dudley interviews them that's one of my favorite i i interviewed them for a, a tag team type style so they're both in the interviews it's fantastic the dudley boys are one of the greatest tag teams of all time maybe the greatest of all time they held belts everywhere they went multiple times they're yeah you know their 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 matches were great they you know there. And then Bubba goes and has one of the best singles runs ever. I mean, nobody paid any attention to what was going on with TNA until Bully Ray. Bully Ray came out. And yeah, like he just commanded the attention of wrestling fans, just like you know WCW did in the '90s, right? Yeah, they had guys that made you Goldberg. They had guys that made you stand up and go, "That's what Bully Ray did." Yeah, I don't think that can ever be understated. So, no, nobody would have thought he was like nobody would have thought he could have became a singles success, and yeah, that know, he did. Matt Stryker was a great interview. Thea Trinidad, I don't know if you know Thea no. Trinidad. She's actually uh, her and Austin Aries are boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay, Thea, uh, I think it was Rosita was her uh, mm-hmm. was her gimmick. Well, her father died in nine eleven. He called Jesus. called home from the one of the floors near the top of the world trade center trade center buildings to say goodbye that's terrible it's it's all i mean we talked about this right like she talked openly about you know her hearing her mom on the phone with her dad who was basically calling to say like this is it this is it i you know i love you goodbye right yeah um you know tommy orchestrated that interview for me uh i've worked with him you know, I've done his media forum for House of Hardcore through two tours through Canada. Yeah. Uh, continues to be one of my, you know, one of my best friends. He's family to me now, right? I met him at Showtime in St. Catharines. Yeah, I, I brought him to Showtime, yeah. Yeah, I was, I, I see, I wouldn't have even known you there. No, you wouldn't have. Because yeah. I didn't meet you until um, Million Dollar yeah, Man. And Ted, it seems, yeah. it seems so familiar. Yeah, that I had, I, I had you know. Ted here last year for my charity show and Ryan helped me coordinate the Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah, the Ottawa thing. So, um, but yeah, 
Tommy was a big turning point for me. And then the biggest turning point came again. Is it sort of, I had a good relationship with WWE. I would get talent interviews for the major events to promote. I have friends down there who are very good friends, but my company was offered an opportunity to, to have someone come down and cover the WrestleMania in California. Yeah. So the two other guys who normally would have done it both declined. Really? Because I think it was California and it was just after March break. Okay. The way the calendar fell. Yeah. So they declined and the, the sports editor at the Toronto Sun remembered that I was a wrestling guy. So they reached out to me and said, how would you like to do this opportunity? And I was like, oh my God guy with severe anxiety you know thing like that i had to put a i had to put a lot of my you know personal issues yeah. aside get a little bit of medication and and fly by myself which i'd never done oh no or which i hadn't done since i was a teenager and uh so i went down to california but i went down there with one thing in mind which was to make wwe take notice yeah i went down there i did everything i covered everything i dressed professionally i met everybody i could and sure enough i i made the enough of an impression that i've been developing that relationship with them now so i've been to three straight wrestlemanias they had me down for the royal rumble i, I leave next week for my second straight SummerSlam. i covered survivor series last year yeah uh, that's fantastic you know. like because they like you know they use they like using same outside people that are not within like um what's and but now they're bringing them in like um the guys out in new york the guy that's on uh bring it to the table that yeah. guy yeah, yeah. was uh, just a just a uh you know he was a radio guy that did a lot of interviews right sam roberts yeah, yeah. sam roberts and there was another guy with bushy hair he does a lot of interviews um i always get them mixed up but but yeah but they those are two guys out in new york city that you know they both you know, like now the guy does bring the table with jbl and i remember vince you know he said vince went up to him he's like are you ready and he's like i'm ready to come aboard whenever you are vince you know <laughs> yeah. like you know so yeah, i have a really solid relationship with wwe have you ever met vince i've only seen vince i've never been introduced to him just seen him though as we did a yeah we did a media tour during the royal rumble last year in florida they took us you know they made us put our equipment away obviously but they they took us backstage took us to gorilla position yeah uh catering we ate in catering with all the talent um i mean when they do a pay-per-view it's big right like yeah you know back there you can see signs arrows pointing to gorilla right so all the talent knows where it is uh, vince's office you know stephanie was getting her hair done makeup costumes you know it's, it's just amazing it really is and it didn't dawn on me until that experience. It truly is a traveling circus. Oh, yeah. It li literally, it's a traveling circus. Well, there's no more real circuses traveling anymore. So this is the closest that's come to it, right? So, yeah, I, I've, I've been, you know, people say I'm lucky. I I, I take a little bit of offense to that because I'm 20 no, years in. Well, you've worked hard. I'm 20 years into, and I, you know, people are always younger people, I find, especially man i'd love to go cover wrestlemania it's like you know what start with a house show mm -hmm. you know did did you get to headline at Absolute no Comedy? i've started open mics i have right? to start by going to open mics right. and, and watching. watching that's how you had to start right 
and I never went to school for it. It was just all self-taught. I read books about comedy as I was becoming an amateur, but then eventually you just start climbing that ladder yourself, right? I probably wrote, you know, 500 pieces before I got a talent to, to interview, to do yeah. a feature piece on, you know, with an actual interview. Right. And then I wrote another 200 before I got my next one. And then I only wrote a hundred before I got my next one and 20 before I got my next one. And now I only write feature interviews, right? I yeah. don't do unless something strikes me as, man, I really need to put my feelings to paper on this. Uh, like yeah, on this. when the, when the undertaker retired, right? Like, yeah. It's like, my God, that is that, that is my favorite character of all time. Yeah. He is the, the single greatest wrestling character ever there will never be a better character no they really vince really hit the nail on the head when he put that guy in that character yep so because you know, mean mark callius was not getting over so sometimes anywhere. yeah sometimes things strike me as i need to i need to put you know my feelings out into you know into a column or something like that for the most part i just do features on you know talent now and it's it's kind of a, you know, I hate to say that it's a it's a script I follow, but it's there. There certainly are a lot of the same themes within what I write. Right, I talk to them about their childhood, yeah, who they were fans of. It's to me, it's neat when you find someone. It's just as neat to find to talk to Cody Rhodes, who talks about you know sitting around his house while his dad was having all of these iconic people come into his house yeah when you're a friggin' seven-year-old kid right and growing up around the business but it's just as neat to find somebody who didn't come from the business at all no and they talk about how well i was really athletic and uh you know by the time i was 12 years old i started to you know feel like i wanted to be an actor and but i was still athletic and then i found you know somebody saw me in a talent competition and suggested i could you know could wrestle and then or somebody spotted me in a bar and yeah I, and i was really muscular <laughs> do you think that that um i well from my well this is maybe my opinion but i think the great like the best wrestlers today grew up wrestling fans and i think if you if you weren't a wrestling fan it's it's probably harder for you to become truly as great as you can become. Like John Cena, there's no, we all know his history. We see those pictures of, of a child holding on to his own made belt. You know, Mick Foley, we know his passion for wrestling. Bailey, we know, uh, you see Bayla, uh, Bailey and Sasha now, and they're, they're fans of the Hardys, and they grew up watching wrestling. Do you think that it's that someone with a heart, like with a base in wrestling that goes, do you think that those are, they become the better wrestlers because they understand it and they have the passion? Cause there are a lot of guys that try to transform into wrestling from sports. And those guys never seem to work out rarely. Well, I mean, I could probably, if I really sat down and thought about it, I could throw some examples at you of people who weren't wrestling fans. But the one that comes right to my mind is DDP. who We talked about, he wasn't a wrestling fan as a kid. He okay. was working at a bar when he was discovered, you know? Yeah. And he didn't even really take it seriously at, at first. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's one that he's one that comes to mind. Um, I'm sure there are others, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a distinct advantage 
for those who you know grew up fans or those who grew up around the business yeah uh you know natty is a good example she had such a great appreciation for the history of it and how it worked from spending all the time around yeah around well not only not only her the adults but like look at the siblings that she was around like Teddy Hart yeah. and Harry and that isn't and TJ. exclusive to people who wrestle. I mean, you talk to Jimmy Corderas, the the ref- I love his le- story. legendary referee. Yeah, I, right? I read he his, I his book. Around, he used to hang around the Air Canada Center, right? You know, or, or, the, or uh, Maple Leaf, or Maple Leaf Square, Maple, Maple Leaf Garden. Gardens. Yeah, yeah. Hang around the gardens, you know, trying to trying to meet these. He had uh, season tickets. Yeah, season yeah. tickets, like. Some every now and again somebody's like, I don't understand how that guy with the sunglasses and the green shirts at every pay per view. Maybe he did a Jimmy Cordero's deal. Maybe he just like, I want to. I'm. I got a lot of money. I want to buy every pay per view. Give me a price. You know, like now this past week they sold SmackDown and Raw tickets together. You could buy the two nights and have the same seats. So it's, it's the first time I've ever heard them That's doing great. stuff like that. So, yeah. To a degree, I would I would concede to that, but uh, you know, if I really sat down and thought about it for a few minutes, it it tells a better story if you've come from loving it, from yeah. loving it, right? I mean, you listen to Tommy Dreamer, you know, his dad used to take him to hockey games, and mm-hmm. you know, Dreamer was such a wrestling fan; he collected magazines. He's we were talking last night. I was like, oh, man, I wish I still had all my LJN figures because, you know, I'd like I've been sort of trying to recollect them yeah. as, a, as an adult. And he's like, I still have mine. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Can you leave those to me in your will? He's like, fine. <laughs> so, so, so sorry, folks. Tommy Dreamer's LJN wrestling figures are not available. They're coming to me. Yeah. He's got twin daughters who probably won't be happy about that. But. I think I only have Jimmy Hart. That's the only one I can find is oh. my Jimmy. I, I have some of the bendies. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm never letting you come to my office. No, well, jeepers, I can only imagine. I'll be <laughs> taking pictures. Of, did, you want well, me actually, in the picture? I, no, no, I just should, want this stuff. You're coming to the charity show this year. There, I am going to come to the charity show. There will be some stuff there you'll want to add to your heart collection. Let's put it that way. Oh, fantastic. Fantas- I want in one a, of your shirts. Tell us about auction. Well, tell us about, uh, before we go, we've got about... Uh, Ten minutes left. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's talk about Chinlock Wrestling. Then let's talk about this card that's going on and who well, you're bringing in. A little bit of perspective is a, few, a couple of years ago, someone I knew was looking to do a kind of a fundraiser for uh, uh, Hands of Hope. It was called, which they help uh, families around Christmas time with meals. Yeah, that's gifts fantastic. If they don't have yes. money, things like that. So I at the time connected this person with. Uh, another promoter out of Cornwall who I didn't know all that well, but I was still fairly naive in the promoting side of things. I know much more now. So I set that up. They talked, they were going to do a charity wrestling show. They asked me if I could get dreamer. Tommy gave me a very discounted price to come and do it. I was down at his shows. He had two shows, one in Philly, one in New York. And I was ju- just driving home from his house. I stayed at his house while I was down there. I was driving home and my phone buzzed. I looked and it was the promoter saying uh, the show was off. So I would later learn like he's just shady yeah, as could be. Uh, so I literally picked up my phone. I called my best friend. I said, look, we're going we're gonna to take this over and put this show together. It was three weeks out. I was like, I don't want to see this. You know, I feel like 
I played a role in this happening, so I want to make sure it happens. Yeah. So we, I picked up my phone. I called Jimmy Corderas. I called Ron Hutchison, who trained Edge and Christian. Yep. Trish, Trish Stratus. Jason Gail Sensation. Kim, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I called Spenny, yeah. who's Spenny, a, who's a dear friend of mine. All three happened to be available, and all three agreed to come down and uh, help make the show happen. My friend Justin, independent wrestler, called up everybody that you know works in this territory. They all agreed. So by the time I drove from New York City to home, we had a show. That's great. So we, we only had three weeks to promote it. We put it all together. We raised about $3,000 with the first show which was nice, right? It, yeah. It bought a number of, you know, baskets or, you know, packages for families around Christmas time. So last year, I said, if we're going to do it, I'd like to do it. We found a uh, youth diversion as a, as a charity here in Kingston okay. uh, that helps out underprivileged youth. Uh, you know, it, it sort of come from tough situations, you know, maybe get involved they got some troubles with parents, things like that. So, so they really helped, you know, set these kids on the straight and narrow before there are any troubles can happen later. Yeah. So, great cause. I said, let's try and bring in a legend. Ryan, again, the sweetheart that he is, Ryan Denis, says, give Noel at Geno's a call and see if he would support, you know, you bringing someone in. So, call up Dreamer. I said, who? would you recommend as someone reliable that I could? And he's like, why don't you try the million dollar man? Yeah. DiBiase. So I sent Ted a message through his website. Yeah. I called Noel at the behest of Ryan. Noel was very happy to help us out. Ted eventually called me back and I explained everything to him. And he's like, well, you know, that's a cause I really believe in because my ministry does a lot of stuff with yeah. you know, troubled youth and youth who come from you know bad situations, one parent, you know violence in the family, things like that. So I would love to make this happen. We'll make this happen no matter what. You know Ted's normal appearance fee. Um, you know he gave us a reduction on that, and normally, and this is across the industry. Yeah, they get to keep their merchandise sales right. Yeah, so they bring up merch, and that's how they make a little bit of extra money. So he waived that entirely. He said, "I'll." I'll come up this one flat fee if you can get me up there. So we booked them. Uh, we the weather didn't cooperate all that much. But we still put about uh, I'm gonna say about 200 and change in there, and we had a giant uh, toy drive, which I came up with the idea. I said, what if we offered the million dollar man meet and greet. So you get a photo opportunity and an autograph, the million dollar man in exchange for a toy. Yeah. You make a donation or a cash donation to the toy drive. It was, it was a major success. It was a last minute thing I thought of. And it was, it went over great. Like we had 150 toys and you know, another $500 cash or whatever it was. I, I can't remember the exact end of the day. The show was a blast. Fantastic. And we raised $8,000 for youth diversion. So that's great. This year, I said, let's start early yeah, and let's, you know, aim bigger. So, again, Geno's has been great. We have the championship belts, which we just arrived and we just debuted. I saw yesterday. them this morning. Yeah. Sweet I saw. Man. I woke up and I saw them this morning. I thought you were going to bring one to, to I, the show. Uh, <laughs> I, I got, uh, I know, I, I got uh, 
Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which is a big, big get for us. He's, so he's when it comes to legend, like most people, when they say you know, the minute you say Ricky Steamboat, they're like. That was my favorite wrestler. Macho Man. Yeah, Macho Man and Steamboat match, right? Everybody talks about that. Everybody talks about it still to this day. <laughs> so, yeah, we've, we have the Mach, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming to do the same thing. We're going to have a toy drive with a you, – you donate a toy or you make a cash donation of $20 to the to the toy drive. Fantastic. You get to meet the, the dragon and get a photo. We have a massive silent auction full of tons of really cool wrestling stuff stuff from collected from within the community natty sent me up just a ton of stuff when that's I was, great when i was down there um uh jackie redmond from uh, roger sportsnet is going to host yeah. it for me this year i become friends with her at wrestlemania that's the last cool couple of years yeah jimmy corderas is coming fantastic spenny will, spenny be, will be making there. his return to uh chinlock wrestling and what he has in mind uh if it happens will be just just amazing uh so we have a 30 person battle royal for the to crown our first champion uh so far we have our first entrant uh, misery the barbarian yesterday uh, declared his cool his entry into it um we'll have a bunch of other surprises that i haven't uh, unveiled yet yeah and uh and yeah. i can't wait for this card yeah oh, it's, it's december 2nd december the 2nd yeah yes. Kings, Kings i've already gospel. blocked it off Kings so. the gospel temple which has been great they don't normally it's where wrestling should be in a the, temple well they <laughs> yeah they don't they would never have considered allowing a wrestling event in there but they did it because it was for charity the first year and they allowed it every year since because we we've been so well behaved and yeah you know, we we left the gym and you know the condition we found it. You know, Fantastic, like that, right? The little things that matter. Yeah, so. tickets are on sale now. Ten dollars. I, I I have nothing I hate more than not being able to afford to go to an event. So my policy is always a ten dollar ticket. So for ten bucks and a donation to a toy drive, you can come to a wrestling show and meet you know a Hall of Famer and get his autograph and a photo with him. Yeah, you can meet one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And, WCW, NWA, you know. And Ricky has also told me that uh, any other bookings that he has in the area around that time, yeah, uh, he's going to donate ten percent of his merchandise sales to our charity. So, That's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so it's uh, working with these guys is humbling and really cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to the show. Awesome. Um, well, that is pretty much our time. I, I wanted to talk so much more things with you. Uh, I, we, you're on your way to SummerSlam. I am. Uh, I wanted to talk SummerSlam with you. Uh, I have all this SummerSlam information <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> but you know homework. what? It didn't even... It, you know what? It's all out the window. Um, you know, uh, but we've talked about so much uh, already, considering that we have been talking for about an hour and 40 minutes considering but <laughs> only an hour has been recorded so uh you 40 know minutes i'll never get back <laughs> but hey you know like I, like I said um i will be up in december and uh i will be bringing this little thing with me and uh, i'll probably bring some friends i can tell you k trev k trevor wilson is in town he'll want to come well it's funny because i i was going to ask ryan 
to yeah. ask him to be involved with the show for next year because I like having special. Yeah, of course. Like a, so well, he like, does. He's doing commentary for Smash Wrestling now. He does. Yeah. sits in on the commentary, yeah. and he he can't be Squirrely Dan, but he can just be K Trav, and that's good enough. Yeah. You know, K Trav is actually funnier than Squirrely Dan. So, yeah. um, and he is you know a huge wrestling nerd, just like we all are. And uh, yeah, so Com- I'm going to ask comedy him. and wrestling seem to intertwine. I believe it's all because of Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman is the pioneer of using wrestling philosophy within the confines of stand-up comedy and comedy. Uh-huh. And a lot of wrestling, we do the same roads. Like when yeah. I'm when I when I'm first out in Calgary, you know, my first show, I've got to drive from Edmonton to Calgary, then to Saskatoon, then to Regina, then down to Lethbridge, and I was like. Every guy coming up through Stampede has done these roads. Like these roads are paved with broken bones and blood of wrestlers well, and comedians. We were talking about him earlier. Gender Raj talks about growing up in Calgary. The closest places to go wrestle were Thunder Bay. Yeah, Vancouver. They're talking long, drives. long drives. Nothing is near Calgary. Nothing. No, it's insane. And now since I've started doing the podcast, and I'll wear a pod, my podcast shirt on TV, and I do a a wrestling joke, you know, a small wrestling joke. I don't do my Undertaker story because it's... Oh, like, I love that story. I told it actually in Cal... I, a guy in Calgary said, uh, he said, uh, who's... He's, uh, he said to me, he heckled me. This is the best heckle I got. Who's your favorite wrestler? I was like, who's my favorite wrestler? I'm in Calgary. Who do you think I'm going to say? Obviously, it's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. And I was like, and I would say that in any goddamn city, in any town, anywhere. And then he goes, and I'm like, who's your favorite wrestler? And he goes, The Undertaker. I'm like, yeah, I met him once. And he goes, really? I'm like, you want to hear the story? And he goes, sure. I was like, do you guys want to hear the story? And the audience all applauded. I was like, fuck, I love Calgary. <laughs> you know, you're such a wrestling town. Yeah, and yeah. so it's a treat whenever, because usually I have to wait to a wrestling show to tell that story because you want to get the pops right. Yeah. And I'd only told it on podcasts forever. I'd told it on We Watch Wrestling. But the story, people love that story. Wrestlers are universal, man. You know, and especially The Undertaker. You know, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Like, I've met a lot of wrestlers, but, you know, to have an actual conversation with the man, not the character, that was something. All because we have a friend in common. Who would have known? That's my but dream. He's he's up there. He's my dream interview. He's your dream interview? Him and Vince, yeah. Him and uh, Vince. My God. Yeah, those well, Vince is, Vince is God, right? Those, those are the two. Yep. Those are the two gets. I'm sure you will get them. I'm pretty sure you will. Uh, here's hoping. Yeah, you just got to hope for the best. Like um, earlier today, I was talking about uh, getting Jericho on this talking wrestling podcast you by using Degrassi people to entice them. It might work. It might work if I, if I, you know, someday, you know, like we're not, I'm not in a hurry. I'm in this podcast for the long run. I signed a three year deal. Nice. So I got a long way to go, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I said, if I get to episode 20, I'll be very happy. And, uh, and I've been with Jan Murphy. And uh, thanks for joining us today, folks. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, check out chinlock.com, chinlockwrestling.com, Kingston Wig Standard to see any of the former articles that he's written about or that he's talked about in the show. And uh, I'm, and you know, I'm, I want to have you back on next time I'm in Kingston. That's for sure. Yeah, I'd love that. And thank uh, you. and uh, thank you. And uh, next time you hear from Jan, you'll be hearing from me as well. And that will be in December at the uh, Chinook Wrestling Card. Uh, folks, chin lock. Chin lock. Uh, wha- ah, ah, ah.
I Chinook. I'm gonna well, Chinook I got, you. Yeah, you gonna you should Chinook me. Uh, I am finisher. I'm about to create. Chinlock looks like Chinook when you look at it. So it. Uh, I don't and, think it does but, at all. No, it doesn't at all. I'm trying to. I'm trying to cover up for myself. God damn it! You know I'm not perfect. So folks, uh, we'll be at Chinlock Wrestling. You need to slap me in a Chinlock. For making me remember, but I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Uh, you know, Chinlock Wrestling, December second, here in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, as uh, I remember, Jesse Venture used to say, "Call my friends at the Kingston Pen because Jesse's coming to town," and uh, I can't wait for this, folks. You guys have been a lot of fun talking wrestling. Where can we check you out, Jan? I'm on the Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, Jan underscore Murphy. Uh, Instagram and everywhere else that I've said and I'm Casey Corbin uh, comedian Casey Corbin on Instagram Casey Corbin Twitter Casey Corbin Facebook you know all the TNW stuff uh, talking wrestling lowdown we gave it at the start of the show if you've listened uh, please go that step farther and uh, uh, rate review subscribe Uh, one is great two out of three will win you a championship but let's just do all three Uh, folks thank you for tuning in talking wrestling never sleeps network We love you, and uh, have a good week. See you next week. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 